Hi guys, uh, I'm Kevin. I'm the senior leader of Collective. I just want to say thank you for taking time out to check out our podcast. And uh, before we listen to this week's message, uh, I'd like you to know that Collective Conference 2019 is happening at the end of August, and we do not want you to miss this. This conference is going to be all about equipping you to restore order to the disordered spaces in our lives, beginning with the very real issue of depression and anxiety caused by our fast-paced modern living. We, we want you to go from fear to faith to creating a future for others. If you would like to check out more about our conference, uh, do check us out on our collective website at collective.my slash conference. Everybody you know is invited. Can't wait to see you and host you. So, all right, guys, take care and enjoy the podcast. And so the Bible says this. There was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. And so his father had to divide his property between them. And not long after that, the younger son got together all he had, set off to a distant country, and there squandered his wealth in wild living. You see, friends, for the son to ask for his share of his, of his inheritance before the passing of a father was deeply disrespectful. See, it was like cursing him with death. Practically, the father would have to sell all his possessions to make the share available tearing his life apart. You see, the younger son was essentially saying that he only wanted his father's possessions and not his father. His relationship with his father was only about the wealth he could get and enjoy. He was now tired of that relationship and he wants out. This was a heartless rejection of the home in which he was born and nurtured and a break with the most precious tradition of which he was part of. You see, when he left for a distant country, this was much more than the desire of a young man to see more of the world. This was a drastic cutting loose from the way of living, of thinking and acting that had been handed out down to him from generation to generation as a sacred legacy. See, more than disrespect, it was a betrayal of the treasured values of family and community he was brought up with. An abandonment of the identity he was born with you see, the distant country is the world in which everything considered holy at home is disregarded. See, living home is denying the spiritual reality that we belong to God with every part of our being. That God holds us safe in an internal embrace. That we are carved in the palm of His hands. Living home means ignoring the truth that God has fashioned me in secret, molded me, in the depths of the earth and knitted me together in my mother's womb. Living home is thus saying, this is not my home. I don't love this home and I must look far and wide to find one. Home is the center of our being where we can hear the voice that says, you are my beloved and on you my favor rests. You see, the same voice that spoke to Adam and to Jesus the same voice that speaks to all the children of God and sets them free to live in the midst of a dark world while remaining in the light. Home is where 
the never interrupted voice of love speaks, giving us life and love. You see, when we hear that voice, we know that we are home with God and have nothing to fear. As the beloved of our, of our Heavenly Father, I can walk in the valley of darkness and I will fear no evil. I can pray for the sick, the dead, the lepers, and cast out devils. Having received without charge, I can give without charge. I can confront, I can console, I can admonish, I can encourage without fear or rejection or need for affirmation. As a beloved, I can suffer persecution without a desire for revenge. Receive praise without using it as proof of my goodness. As a beloved, I can face death without ever having to doubt that the love that is given to me is stronger than death. As the beloved, I am free to live and to give life. Free also to die while giving life. But yet over and over again, we have left home. We have left the hands of blessings and run to a faraway place searching for love. See, we run around asking, do you love me? I mean, do you really love me? You see, we give power to the voices of the world and put ourselves in bondage because the world is filled with apes. The world says, yes, I love you if you are good looking, intelligent or wealthy. I love you if you have the qualifications, a good job or good connections. I love you if you produce much, sell much or buy much. You see, there are endless ifs hidden in the world's love. Those ifs enslave us since it is impossible to meet those expectations. You see, the world's love is and always will be conditional. As long as we keep looking for our true self in the world of conditional love, we will remain hooked to the world, trying, failing, and trying again. You see, it is a world that forces addictions because what it offers cannot satisfy the deepest cravings of the heart. See, those addictions make us cling to what the world proclaims as the keys to self-fulfillment, the relentless pursuit of wealth and power, the attainment of status, admiration and acceptance, the never-ending desire for material possessions, sexual gratification without distinguishing between what is lust what is lust and what is love. All of this in our quest to satisfy our deepest needs. But they never will. See, the addiction to the pursuit of these things causes us to wander further and further away from our Father's home. You see, friends, we are the prodigal son or daughter every time we search for unconditional love where it cannot be found. And so why do we keep ignoring the place of true love and persist in looking for it elsewhere? Why do we keep leaving home where we are called a child of God, the beloved of my Father? See, we keep taking the gifts that God has given us, our health, our intellectual and emotional gifts, and keep using them to impress people, to receive affirmation and praise, and to compete for rewards instead of developing them for the glory of God. We carry them to a distant country and put them in the service of a world that does not know its true value. 
It is almost as if we want to prove ourselves to and to our world that we do not need God's love and that we can make it on our own, that we want to be fully independent. But beneath all of this is the great rebellion. It is saying no to the Father's love. The unspoken curse that says, I wish you were dead. You see, the prodigal, prodigal son's no is like Adam's original rebellion. His rejection of God whose love we are created and sustained. It is the rebellion that places us outside the garden, out of reach, out of, reach of the tree of life. It is a rebellion that makes us waste away in a distant country. But in spite of all of this, the father wouldn't force his love on his beloved child or force him to stay home. You see, he had to let him go in freedom, even though he knew the pain it would cause both his son and himself. It was love that prevented him from keeping his son home at all costs. And thus, here is the mystery of God. We are loved so much that we are free to leave home. It was love itself that allowed him to let his son find his own life, even with the risk of losing it. And so the Bible says, after he had spent everything, this younger son, there was a severe famine in that whole country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to a citizen of that country, who sent him to his fields to feed the pigs. He longed to fill his stomach with the pots that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. You see, he has lost so much. He had nothing left that even the food for the pigs looked delicious to him. When he finally came to his senses, he said, how many of my father's hired servants have food to spare? And here I am starving to death. And so I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. He knew he had given up his rights as a son. And the only way in his mind he thought that he would go back to his father is, I will become a hired servant. So he got up and went to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and filled with compassion and love, he ran to his son, threw his arms around him and kissed him. Those of you have know about the background of this. You know, Kevin just now shared about Asian fathers. Asian fathers don't show love. You know, Asian fathers are, you know, quiet, strong, silent types. Wait till you see the fathers of the old biblical times. They laggy, don't show emotion. You know, they are those type, you know, they probably you see them once a week or you, uh, they talk to you only once a week, you know. There's only one reaction and one response, only one, you know. Mm. You ask them anything also, mm. Dad, can I do this? Mm. Can I don't do this? Mm. You really don't know what they're talking about. You know, but they got no emotion. They are the strong, silent types, you know. Right, so those are the fathers. All right, so for him to show an emotion, 
to run to his son. Oh yes, and one more thing. You know, the, these days we wear jeans, right? I shared about this before. In the old biblical times, all of them wear ropes. There's a reason why they wear ropes, men, all right? It's because they want to keep their legs clean, all right, from dust, you know, because it's a desert. And the other thing was because out, it was, uh, um, it was uh, uh, to, to, uh, uh, to cover their legs, all right, because it was uh, dignified. All right, so for them to run, for a man of his stature to run, he virtually had to lift up his ropes and run like a madman to his son in front of all his staff, in front of everyone in the city, in front of everyone in the village. Do you know how embarrassing it is? You know, so undignified. Wow. This rich guy, this is such an important guy in the city, running his, to, towards his son like a madman. His very action, already no more face. No more face, really. He lost all his dignity running to his son. Somehow he threw his arms around him and kissed him. I know these days it's very easy for us to relate to that, right? But Asian fathers, traditional Asian fathers, traditional Jewish fathers or whatever, you know, they don't do that. They don't kiss, they don't hug, they don't run. Right? It's extremely undignified. And so the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father almost didn't listen at all and quickly said to his servants, quick, bring the rope and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost but now he's found. And so they began to celebrate. You know, church, one of the greatest challenges of the spiritual life is to receive God's forgiveness. You see, we have this constant imaginary encounter in our heads in which we rehearse and repeat over and over again how we want to ask for His forgiveness. We are claiming our true identity as a child of God but live as though the, the God that we are returning to demands an explanation. We still think about His love as conditional and about home as a place we are not fully sure of. We entertain doubts about whether we will truly be welcome when we get there. See, we are full of guilt about our past and worried about our future. We realize our failures and know that we have lost the dignity of sonship or daughtership. But these rehearsals of speeches in our minds don't ever need to be delivered because where our failings are great, His grace is always greater. Amen. Always remember this. Where your failings are great, His grace is always greater. Amen. Well, Meanwhile, the older son was in the field. When he came near his house, he heard music and dancing. Wow, how come there's a party going on? All right, how come I don't know about it? How come nobody tell me? How come I'm not invited? So he called one of his servants, hey, Nicolai, and asked him, hey, what's going on? What's happening at home? Your brother has come, he replied, and your father has killed the fattest calf 
you know, that we've been breeding, only fit with beer one, you know, eat organic grass one, you know, this one is Wagyu, I don't know what, level what, I don't know, okay, from Kobe one, actually from Kobe, we ship all the way from Japan to, I don't know where is this, uh, I don't know where this place, I also don't know, actually I don't know where is this, maybe in uh, Egypt, I don't know, maybe, I don't know, alright, okay, only one in the whole of Egypt, okay, he replied, because he has him back safe and sound. The old brother, brother became very angry and refused to go in. So his father went out and pleaded with him, please come in. But he answered his father, look. Okay? He threw away all the formalities, throw away all the respect already. No more respect already. Alright, I, I want you to feel the anger and resentment of this older brother. He didn't even call his father, Dad, what's happening? Papi, what's happening? Pa, fasten some more No. Nope. Immediately he went to his father, Look! All these years I've been slaving for you and never disobeyed your orders. Yet you never gave me even one young goat so I could celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours, not my brother anymore, this son of yours, who has squandered your property with prostitutes comes home. You kill the fattest and the finest cow for him. You see, this bitter and resentful, angry young man might be closer to us in a spiritual way than the younger brother. See, very often it is the elder sons who want to live up to the expectations of their parents and be considered obedient and faithful and dutiful. See, they often want to please. They often fear being a disappointment to their parents. But often they also experience a certain envy towards their younger brothers and sisters who seem to be less concerned about pleasing and much freer to do whatever they want. They often find the actions of their younger siblings reprehensible or even immoral, but at the same time, wonder why they didn't have the courage to do some of it themselves. See, the older brothers are like this. All right, we're jealous. They're not jealous like the young brothers. Hey, how come they can get away with everything? When, uh? How come they can do this and do that? When? How come, you know, me younger brother, uh, me older brother cannot win? You know, we want to be the good guys, right? But yet, you know, we are very judgmental of our younger brothers. You know, and then we and are envious of them. How come can they get away with it? Okay. You see, the obedient and dutiful life, dutiful life of which older brothers are proud of, for which they are praised for, sometimes feel like a burden, and service has become like slavery. See, there are many elder sons and daughters who are lost while still at home. And it is this lostness characterized by judgment and condemnation, anger and resentment bitterness and jealousy that is so damaging to the human heart. See, often we think about lostness in terms of actions that are quite visible, even spectacular. See, the younger son seen in a way we can easily identify. His lostness is quite obvious. He misused his money, his time, his friends and his own body. What he did was wrong. Not only his friends and family knew it, but he knew it himself as well. Then having seen that his own behaviour led to misery, he came to his senses turn around and ask for forgiveness. We have here a classic human failure with a straightforward solution. Quite easy to understand and sympathize with. The lostness of the older brother, however, is much harder to identify because he did all the right things. 
He was obedient, he was dutiful, law-abiding and hardworking. People respected him, admired him, praised him and considered him a model son. Outwardly, he was without fault. But when confronted by his father's joy at the return of his younger brother, a dark power began to erupt in him. Suddenly, boiling to the surface is a resentful, proud, unkind and selfish person. One that had been deeply hidden and had been growing stronger and more powerful over the years. So looking at the older brother causes us to wonder which does more damage, rebellion or resentment. See, there is so much resentment among the just and the righteous. There is so much judgment and condemnation and prejudice among the saints, the good Christians like us. So much frozen anger among people who are so concerned about avoiding sin. The lostness of the resentful so-called good Christian is so hard to reach precisely because it is so closely wedded to the desire to be good and righteous. You see, if we listen carefully to the words he uses to attack his father, they are self-righteous, they are self-pitying and jealous words. Deep within is a complaint from the heart that he feels it never received what it was due. I tried so hard. I worked so long, did so much, and still I have not received what others get so easily. Why do people not thank me, invite me, appreciate me or honour me? While others get so much attention, success and appreciation so easily and casually. Why is not me? You see, if we take time to reflect, we will realize that there is an older son deeply rooted in all of us. See, this form of lostness is not easy to return home from. See, returning home from wild and outright rebellion seems so much easier than a returning home from cold resentment, anger and jealousy that has rooted itself in the deepest corners of our beings because it cannot be so easily distinguished and dealt with rationally. And so the father says this, My son, you are always with me and everything that I have is yours. But we had to celebrate and be glad because this brother of yours was dead and is alive again. He was lost, but now he's found. And thus this parable ends with no clear, happy ending. Whatever happened to the older son? Did he let himself be persuaded by his father? Did he finally enter into the house and join the celebration? Did he embrace his brother and welcome him home as his father had done? Did they all sit together in that same table and enjoy the festive meal? The parable thus leaves us face to face with one of life's hardest spiritual choices, to trust or not to trust in God's all-forgiving love. Well, the, the parable did tell us that the father goes out to both of his children. Not only does he run out to welcome the younger wayward son, but he comes out also to meet the older, dutiful, but resentful older brother. See, for the younger son, the father doesn't give, even give him a chance to apologize, but forgives him without questions and joyfully welcomes his son home. He cannot wait to give him new life, life in abundance. So strongly does God desire to give life to his returning son that he seems almost impatient. See, nothing is good enough. The very best must be given to him. The cloak, 
the ring, the sandals, restoring him as a son and an heir. For the older son, however, the dilemma is to accept or reject that his father's love is beyond comparisons. To dare to be loved as his father longs to love him or to insist on being loved as he feels he ought to be loved. See, the father knows that the choice must be the son's, even while he waits with outstretched hands. Will the elder son be willing to kneel and be touched by the same hands that touch his younger brother? Will he be willing to be forgiven and to experience the healing presence of the father who loves him beyond compare? And so it is here that we see the heart of the father. His heart goes out to both his sons. He loves them both. As we let all of this sink in, we see how the story of the father and his lost sons powerfully affirms that it was not us that chose God, but God who chose us first. See, this is the great mystery of our faith. We do not choose God, but God chooses us. See, from all eternity, we are hidden in the shadow of God's hands and engraved in the palm of His hands. Before any human being touches us, God forms us in secret and textures us in the depth of the earth. Before any human decides about us, God knits us together in our mother's womb. God loves us before any human person can show love to us. He loves us with a, he loves us with a first love, an unlimited, unconditional, everlasting love. For most of our lives, we have struggled to find God, to know God, to love God. We have tried hard to follow the guidelines of the spiritual life, to pray always, to work for others, to read the scriptures, to serve, and to avoid temptations. We have failed many times, but always we try again, even when we were close to despair. But now I wonder whether we have su sufficiently realized that during all this time, God has been trying to find us, to know us, and to love us. And so the question is not, how am I to find God? But how am I to let myself be found by Him? The question is not, how am I to know God? But how am I to let myself be known by God? And finally, the question is not, how am I to love God? But how am I to let myself be loved by God? You see, God is looking into the distance for me, for you, for all of us, trying to find us and longing to bring us home. Amen. And with this, I'll end. Can I have the musicians? You know, friends, the parable of the prodigal son is a story of two, two prodigal sons. You see, both were equally lost. But most importantly, this is the story of a prodigal father. At this point, you might be asking, hey, two prodigal sons, why a prodigal father? Why prodigal? You see, the word prodigal is used to describe someone who is reckless, excessive, lavish, extravagant. I didn't write it here. Actually, it even says wasteful. You see, this is a father who was reckless in his love for his sons. He loved and accepted them in spite of everything they did and how they treated him. The rejections, the hurts, the disappointments. 
reckless in His grace because He welcomed and restored them without any questions and without any conditions. Reckless love, reckless grace. And so today, God is inviting us to come home to where the never interrupted voice of love speaks. To come to know the Father from whom all fatherhood takes its name. Because we have and know this perfect Father, it allows us to love and appreciate our earthly fathers as good, loving, but imperfect human beings they are. And so friends, come home. Come home to a heavenly Father whose unlimited, unconditional love melts away every resentment, every anger, and makes us free to love beyond the need to please or to find approval. To experience this first and everlasting love of God, our ultimate and our perfect Father. Amen. Amen. Can I invite all of us to stand?